I'm not Michael Carboni, and you're listening to episode 22 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Episode 22, guys. Charlie Monty with you here, and uh, with me is Michael Carboni. Michael, how are you? Mate, fantastic. Great to be sitting on this side of the mobile studio for once. It's actually the same side, but... Yeah, we didn't We, <laughs> we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't swap, swap chairs. <laughs> we didn't swap chairs. <laughs> Mate, we thought you, it would be good for you to uh, host this one today. Give me a little bit of a break, and I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing how you go steering the ship. Mate, you say you're going to get a break, but what you're actually going to get is a grilling, because, guys, <laughs> we uh, we reached out on social media and asked you to hit us up with your questions, so we could have a Q&A episode this week. We've had a shitload of questions, man. Like the response has been a little bit crazy. Um, so we've got a whole bunch. There's absolutely no way we're going to get to them all, but we've picked sort of 10 or 11 of the best, and we'll just see how we go for time um, as the show gets on. Let's power through them then. Well, before we do that, a little bit of feedback from the last episode. So if you haven't listened to it yet, guys, check out Carbs' interview with Lee Addison, probably one of my favourite episodes of the show uh, to date. You say that about all the episodes? Well, mate, you're just that good. But um, <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, my favourite episodes are the ones where we get an insight into some of the struggles that these emerging nations face and, and some of the issues that they face around scheduling and sponsorship. Um, so Lee had a little bit to say about some of the struggles that he's having with Poland and, and the withdrawal from the uh, Philippines tour. Um, well, mate, I understand that in the in the week that you've been contacted by the RLIF... Yeah, we had, a, we had an email from their media department... Um, just wanting to clarify a few things from their end. So I guess on this show, we like to have an unbiased uh, view of what's going on and when there are two sides to the story. Uh, we need to be impartial and sort of air both of those sides. So I want we want to read this out. Uh, and I've got the email in yep. front of me. I'll, I'll read it out now if you don't mind. So Go for it. Basically, what they've said is, I'm just going to read now from the email, just listen to the latest edition of the podcast and I'm keen to clarify a few points so that you your colleagues and listeners have the full picture. After the emerging nations in 2018, all 11 nations have been asked to complete an official survey about their participation in an emerging nations World Cup 2018 to assist with planning for future events. So far, only five nations have responded. Those that have are overwhelmingly in favor of further participation in RLIF organized events. In the survey, nations are asked to comment about the shape of future events. We will then create proposals for discussion with the membership before agreeing the final program. The survey is still open and we are really keen to hear the real experience of the volunteers who took part in the event. Several nations who participated in the Emerging Nations World Cup 2018 have still not yet completed their application to become members of the RLIF, which gets them recognised by the RLIF as the official governing body for the sport of rugby league in their country. This is also the first step to participation in official RLIF competitions. There is a huge amount of excellent activity promoted and supported by the RLIF. You talked about several in the same podcast. This year, we will see the Nines World Cup, the final qualification series for the World Cup 2021, Oceania Cup for the first time, MEA Championship in Nigeria, as well as many bilaterally arranged games between member nations 
including the Great Britain Lions Rugby League Tour to play New Zealand, Tonga and Papua New Guinea. The RLIF is actively growing and supporting members across the world, with currently 51 nations recognised and others pending. There is a very clear pathway for nations to follow, however it is up to them as the national governing body to meet the requirements of a member and to follow their own plans based upon their own capacity and ambition. And they've provided a link there to have a look at that um, criteria, which we can include in the show notes. Yep. Um, it is the job of the International Federation to govern the game internationally, to represent and support its membership, and to support the growth of the game globally, which is based upon growing membership and participation. And as I say, that comes from the media department at the RLIF in response to, to some of the things Lee Addison said on last week's show. And I said as well. Um, and you said as so, well. Look, I'm, I'm just glad they're listening, the RLIF, so that's pretty good. It's interesting, you know, we've got developing nations that want to be more involved and have more internationals. We've got the RLIF that want to host more internationals and get more nations involved. But for some reason, there's some miscommunication somewhere in the middle. I'm not sure what that is, uh, but uh, I guess it's baby steps for International Rugby League. And hopefully uh, more and more of these nations can be uh, can be filling out that survey. Yeah, guys, so as I say, look, if you haven't listened to it already, check out the interview with Lee Addison because the message from Lee was basically RLIF help us and the um, the response from the RLIF to the emerging nations is help us help you. So um, there's a system in place and, and the RLIF is actively looking for emerging nations um, to engage. But look, we, we won't get too much into that. For, for us, it was just about after some of the things that we said on last week's show, presenting the, the, the other side of the argument. Let's get some questions, mate. Let's do it. <laughs> Alright guys, Q&A. So we reached out during the week on social media and asked you for your questions. Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. All three of them, that's right. And we've um, we've asked you for questions and you guys have responded with a whole heap. We're not going to have time to get to them all, but we've handpicked a bunch of them and uh, we'll see how we go for time. Carbs, are you ready to kick it off? Yeah man, let's power through. Alright, so first question comes to us from Valentino Milovanovic and Valentino wants to know, what do you think of Red Star Rugby League? Mate, uh, I think it's obvious. We talk about them all the time. We absolutely love Red Star Belgrade. We love everything that they're doing for the game. Uh, they're growing it. They're leading the way in the region. And uh, the things that they're doing on a, on a shoestring budget are just incredible. They're really showing the rest of the rugby league world uh, how it's done. Colin Clayweg and his team are doing an incredible job, an amazing job. Um, and I, I think he probably wouldn't like me saying it because he's a humble man, but I think in 50 years' time, when Serbia are winning World Cups, uh, they're going to be naming competitions and grandstands and things after Colin because he's he's been fantastic, mate. Mate, on the subject of Red Star, I think you might have a little bit of news for us. Is that something we can talk about today? Yeah, we might as well. We might have, we've been, uh, we've quietly been asked by um by one of the directors at the club to be ambassadors for Red Star Rugby League. So we've we've obviously obliged. We're very excited to be part of the Red Star family and mate, be involved for, in that capacity. For those who don't know, what does being an ambassador of Red Star Belgrade mean? Mate, what it will mean is we've got more of a direct line in terms of news, uh, which we'll be able to share with you guys, uh, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, and also we'll be able to share some links on our Facebook page when it comes to live streaming Red Star Belgrade games. So uh, really excited, as I say, to be part of the family. And uh, yeah, watch this space because there'll be more to come. Excellent stuff. Mate. Question number two: What country, other than Australia and England, do you think we have the best chance to grow the to grow the game in? 
And that question comes from NRL, in my opinion, on Instagram. Yeah, thank you. NRL, in my opinion, great page to follow if you're not already. So thanks for the question, mate. Uh, look, it's a good one. I think there's there's probably a number of answers to this question. Uh, obviously, all the Pacific nations are growing. You didn't mention New Zealand there. I think there's obviously still a chance for us to grow there. Uh, France and Wales, uh, they both have incredible potential. I've been speaking to some guys in both of those nations who just some of the stuff that, they, that they've been telling me about what's happening on the ground over there uh, is amazing. And if the potential can be realized, it's going to be great for our game. But I'm going to go back to Serbia. I think Serbia has has great potential for growth. Uh, I think the sport of rugby league can really help uh, Serbia in terms of their societal issues. Um, and, and mate, you told me a statistic earlier, um, something about Serbia having more registered rugby league players than rugby union players. Is that right? Yeah, they do. It's it's obviously one of few nations, especially in that sort of region, where rugby league is more well known than rugby union, which is a fantastic start. Has been like that for a while. Yeah, my answer. Probably Fiji. I just think there's some exciting things happening over there, especially with the announcement that there's potentially going to be um, federal government funding support for a New South Wales Cup team, so watch this space. Haven't we seen some good Fijian wingers uh, scoring tries this uh, year in the NRL? Mate, they're, uh, they're on fire, the Fijian wingers. Um, question number three. Who's your favourite Fijian winger? Uh, oh, look, it'd have to be the one that gave Matt Dufty a bath on the weekend, <laughs> as much as it pained me to see it. Sivo, is that his name? Mika Sivo. So question number three, mate, if you could plan the next 20 years of International Rugby League, what would it look like? And that question comes from Poland coach, friend of the show, Lee Addison. Oh, Lee, mate, we could we could uh, probably talk for an hour on this one. Uh, so, look, I'm going to try and be quick. I think, um, I think it all comes down to what our goals are, and I think we need to think about how we grow in each specific region. Um, I think the RLIF and the NRL have it right in the Pacific region at the moment. We've got an eight-year plan in place. We've got World Cups every four years. We've got uh, World uh, Nines World Cups in between those. We've got o- uh, Oceania Cups every year as well, and that'll be happening every couple of years soon. Uh, so there's plenty going on in and around the Pacific region. We need to try and replicate that in Europe, and then we need to replicate that in the Americas, in Asia, in Africa. Um, it basically needs to be happening all over the place. We need to have... I guess, branches uh, all over the shop. Um, we need to help the developing nations as well. Mate, look, how long have we got? Like, <laughs> yeah, look, And there's, there's very little that I can add to that, guys, other than to say, Carbs, your idea, I think, of having an emerging nation's nines running concurrently with the uh, Nines World Cup is an absolute no-brainer. Well, a- anything we're doing at the top level, we can be running, we can be running an emerging version of that in parallel. Um, so I think that's going to be an important part of any 20-year plan. Agree 100%. Um, next question comes from our friends Rob and Gareth over at, over at the Howling Hour. Give yep. those guys a listen if you haven't already. Um, and they ask, who is going to take GI's place in the Queensland origin side? You know, this is a like t- probably the hardest question that we've had because he's going to fill a massive... There's going to be a massive hole in that Queensland side. He always lifts for origin, doesn't he? He really does. And um, I, look, I had I had no idea. At first, I thought maybe Michael Morgan would slip straight in there. And that's what I guess most of the... Uh, analysts and commentators were saying, but when you look at Cherry Evans injured, and then Nathan Friend is injured, so that means that means uh, Hunt would move in, Ben Hunt would move into the hooking position. Michael Morgan probably has to play halfback, which means that centre position opens up again. I don't know if maybe Dane Gagai shifts to the centres and Kyle Felt comes in on the wing, but I probably, if it's up to me, I'd probably push Darius Boyd into the centres. Uh, and Caelan Ponga slips in at fullback. I don't know. What do you think, Chuck? Mate, there have been... Um, look, the, 
it went from an embarrassment of riches to to just having no one to pick. I mean, Ash Taylor is um is is not in the form that you'd want to see him in to pick him. Um, Michael Morgan has been hot and cold, but look, he's got the capacity to play centres as well. I think he's played centres at that level before. Ben Hunt can play halfback or hooker, so I think... Um, and, you know, Corey Norman would have potentially been an option to come into the side as well and was in good form before uh, broke his cheekbones. Just, so. a, just another injury, man. But it, <coughs> I think this is where Queensland kind of want to be. They want to be the underdogs, and it's been a while since it's been that way, but here they are. And, uh, look, I think New South Wales comfortably this, this year. I know that wasn't the... What was the question again, guys? <laughs> question. <laughs> We've just basically named all of the uninjured, eligible <laughs> Queenslanders who can play in the back line. So I hope that answers your question. Darius Bob Boyd in the centres, uh, Caelan Ponga at fullback. That's the answer. Let's go. What okay. else? Um, all right. Next question comes from our good friend Nate in from the Rugby League in America podcast. And Nate asks, if you could play one game of NRL, what numbers on your back, Carbs? Mate, I got number six, uh, favourite number. I probably fancy myself as a bit of a, a five eight in my time. Not quite skillful enough to be a halfback. Not quite fast enough to be a fullback or a centre. Not quite big enough to be a lock. Five eight, number six. Five eight, good answer, mate. I, my number is uh, probably twenty one or twenty two. One of those subs that gets cut twenty four hours before the game. Um, <laughs> who does uh, Who does Jake follow in the NRL? Who asked that question? That question comes from Ricky Cancino, who recorded our intro theme. Mate, uh, this one's a personal question, obviously, but a bit of backstory. Jake, basically a big Dragons fan like Charlie and I, also he says he is. Uh, Start of 2018, he declared that uh, he'd be turning his back on the Dragons and uh, supporting Parramatta. We all know how that went. Parramatta came dead last, and the Dragons were leading the leading the comp for most of the year. Jake denies that that happened, by the way. In the interest of it, as we did with the RLIF, got to provide a, <laughs> a balanced viewpoint. Jake denies that he ever abandoned the Dragons. I sat Jake down towards the end of the year because he started coming around again, and he said, "Look, I think, you know, despite what I said at the start of the year, I'm going to support the Dragons again." I sat him down. I said, "Look, man, I don't care who you support." Just choose one team or the or the other. Pick and stick, Jake. Pick and stick. I don't want my kids to see their uncle flip-flopping between sides. <laughs> He's flip-flopping all over the pick place. Pick a team. Pick a team. Stop, but the, uh, stop flip-flopping. But after the after Para's victory over the Dragons the other night, I think Jake's probably flip-flopping again all over the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can come back on the show once you've made a decision on who you're going to support, Jake. That's right. <laughs> uh, question number seven. Uh, comes from Joey Does Physio, and Joey asks us, what nation will be the biggest surprise at the 2021 World Cup? That's a really good question as well. Um, I'm going to go... Look, it could be a number. Look, I'm going to start by saying I don't think anyone comes close to the big three. I think it's Australia, New Zealand, or England that wins this thing. I think England's a chance. Uh, Tonga, obviously close, but if there's anyone else that's going to be a surprise packet, and I'm not going to... I, I'm not saying that they're going to win it, but I think they'll do better than people expect. I think it's France. France are building up something special. They've got players to draw f- uh, from, obviously from uh, Catalan, obviously guys coming through from Toulouse as well. But they've they've got something that a lot of uh, second-tier nations don't have, and that's a really good halfback. So Theo Fargs, he's a St. St. Helens half, doing a great job when he's not injured over in the Super League. And I think that that's the difference between T2 and T1 sides. Absolutely. You've said that for a while, actually, that that's the difference between you know Tonga, for example, and, uh, and, the, and the big three. 100%. So France would be uh, my hot tip to surprise a few people. Question number eight comes from friend of the show, Stuart McLennan, and Stuart asks, what do you know about the Lignano Sharks? Are they all ex-union players asking for a friend? <laughs> so Stu, Stu obviously, our coach of the RS Eagles, 
and uh, they'll be playing Lignano very soon in the Balkan Super League. They're one of the sides we haven't seen yet. So Aris have already played two games. Lignano haven't played any games at all. Um, look, Stu, what I will say, what I do know, is uh, there will be some rugby union players from the Udine and the Veneto regions uh, coming together to play for Lignano. Um, they've got a couple of Italian rugby league international squad players as well. So they've got World Cup uh, 2017 squad member Giuseppe Pagani. Uh, he's a front rower, second rower, so he'll be lining up for Lignano as well. Uh, they've obviously they've also got winger centre Emmanuel uh, Pisano. Um, he's a former rugby union player and he's a current Italian rep as well. Um, so look, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys come together. Uh, they'll be playing Dorkel. Uh, Dorkel Spiders this weekend, so Stu, you're going to get a good look at them uh, and see what happens. Um, so yeah, watch this space. It's something I've been very keen to uh, to 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 watch out for and very excited about seeing these guys play. So it's going to be interesting. Good stuff. Uh, question number nine, Paul <laughs> MC. You sound excited. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul, sorry, good man. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, continue. Okay, so Paul MC wants to know, question number nine, can you find out if a Nines national team selection binds you to that nation? For example, if Kalen Ponga gets picked for Australia at the Nines, does that mean he can never wear a Kiwis jersey? Well, I'm going to start by saying um, this is just what I think, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I have put in a question to, uh, put the question into some of our contacts uh, to see if they have any definitive answers, and uh, I'll let you guys know next week if that's the case. But look, to my knowledge, it's exactly the same as the regular uh, Rugby League International rules. Uh, Caelan Ponga would not be able to play for New Zealand because he's playing for Australia, or he's eligible for Australia via his Queensland um, via his Queensland representation. So the way that works, and Paul, I'm sure you're aware of this anyway, but the way that works for any of our other listeners is uh, if you represent New South Wales or Queensland, you are eligible for Australia. You're ineligible for other T1 nations, so that's New Zealand and England. But if you don't make the Australian side, you can play for a T2 nation. So if you're looking in the case of like a Tavita Pangai Jr., eligible for New South Wales, but if he doesn't get picked for Australia, he can play for Tonga. Uh, so it's going to be the same same with the nine. So Ponga will be playing for Australia. Dare I say he will be picked by Mal Meninga for that side. No chance of him playing for New Zealand, uh, and I doubt we'll ever see that. Uh, personally. I think that's right. Good question, Paul. Next question comes from noted Facebook troll Bernard Fizz, and Bernard <laughs> wants to know, do you like the idea of Magic Round in the NRL? What do you think about this, man? Look, I've got to be honest with you, I didn't like it when it was first announced, but there's been a little bit of buzz about it. People are talking and it's growing on me. Suncorp is an amazing venue. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, um, I personally, I haven't been to Bank West, but up until uh, that point, it's been, the, uh, in my opinion, the best rugby league ground in the country. Um, Brisbane fans are, are crying out for more football and we're giving it to them in, in an absolute, you know, mozza over one weekend. Mate, I want to withhold my judgment until next week. I, I too, I wasn't sure about it myself, but look, I think if we can look at, we, let's have a look at what's been happening over in the UK. Obviously they've been doing this in the Super League for a number of years now. Um, I think it's a real celebration of rugby league. I think um, it's a good excuse for people to get away. So if you're from Sydney, get up to Brisbane for the weekend and watch, watch your side plus a number of others playing as well. Could be quite good. I think in England it was it was it, it was an amazing success, especially when they took it to places like uh, Millennium Stadium in, in Cardiff or when they took it to places like Newcastle up in the north uh, northeast. Um, this year they're taking it to Liverpool. 
So for a lot of people, um, especially around that St. Helens, Wigan, Warrington sort of area, it's not really a holiday. Mm. It's just a drive down the road. So I'm not sure. I'm, I, I don't know if maybe the idea is sort of dying off over there because they've been doing it for so long. But look, in Australia, there seems to be some excitement about it. It's in Brisbane for two years after this as well. That's already already locked in. Uh, I heard, I don't know, is it 125,000 tickets have already been sold? Yeah, something like that. So that's a success to me. Uh, look, I hope if it works, it can it goes for a long time, and uh, hopefully they move it around as well. Yeah, Love well, to see it in thing. Perth, Melbourne. I think that's a good point. The thing that the NRL has been actively trying to do, and look, they've had mixed success with it, but they've been trying to create content and trying to create events that they can then... Um, sell you know and and this is an example of that and i think you know this could be something that people are potentially bidding for at a future point in time which would be good to see so personally i'm all for it but like you sort of withholding judgment until we uh, see how it goes over the weekend is it the first time the nrl have taken something from the super league other than their best players uh did video ref start there or did it start here don't know i think it started with cricket Okay, well, we stole that from cricket. Um, question number 11. We don't like cricket. Anyway, sorry, continue. It's all right, we don't like cricket. Uh, no, cricket's pretty shit. Uh, question number 11. Should the Canberra Raiders change their name to the Wigan Raiders? That comes from old mate Jake. Yeah, why not? <laughs> all right, tick. Wigan Raiders. Uh, number 12. Chris Davey wants to know, I see some negativity online about teams that aren't English playing in the Championship and Super League. For example, Toronto Wolfpack and the potential two teams. Why do you guys think they kick up a stink when the addition of such teams could potentially mean the Super League grows larger than the NRL? Man, that's a really good question. The honest answer is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not from over there, um, so I'm not too sure. I don't want to speak on their behalf. All I can really say is, you know, I can speak from an Australian perspective, and it's probably for the same reasons that we have nine clubs in Sydney. Uh, people don't like seeing their clubs die uh, even if it means expansion. So I know for me it's easy to say, yeah, let's move the Sharks to Perth, let's move the Bulldogs to Christchurch, let's move Manly to Adelaide, but no, 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 don't touch St George. Like, they need to stay. I think a lot of people over in the UK might be like that as well. Um, I'll tell you what, like, fans of Huddersfield or Hull KR, uh, they rather see their team there uh, than have, like, aside from Ottawa or New York. From an outside perspective looking in, obviously it needs to happen. We want to see expansion, and there's a number of ways that it can be done. It can happen over time. Um, Mate, does, is some of the resistance got anything to do with money? Is it just a money thing? It costs money to go over there and play games, and, you know, some of these clubs are semi-professional, or yeah. you get down to that League One level? Look, I don't know, but there seems to be this mentality over there about away fans and all this sort of culture that we don't really have over here. Like, we don't really... We don't really um, rely on away fans to, to to get gate takings and in fact gate takings aren't sort of a big deal over here because our tv rights are so huge which it's not it's not like that over in the uk so you know they're relying on away fans for money so it, it can be a number of things yeah. like that as well uh, as i say it, yeah it could be a, it's a melting pot of issues i suppose but i think you know at the end of the day we have this sort of psyche or this mentality in rugby league and it's a strange one but we're just we kind of hold ourselves back a little bit and we don't like to see progression. And I don't understand why, because uh, this game can be huge all over the world and that's why we've we've started this podcast. That's why we talk about it. That's why you guys listen to us talk about it every week. Um, so, look, Chris, that's my long way of saying I have no idea. But, but probably uh, money. But probably money. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, do we have time for one more? 
Yeah, give us one more. Give us one more. Okay, so James Michael Blake Newman wants to know, and he's a good one actually, in the absence of a serious US backer, who should host the 2025 World Cup? Thanks for your question, Jimmy. And uh, before I answer your question, I just want to say, Jimmy, along with uh, Stuart McLennan and, of course, Steve Mascord, probably my three favourite uh, international rugby league journalists. So uh, keep it up, man. Really loving the stuff that you're doing. Thanks for the question. Um, I've said it on this show before. Look, there's probably a, a few options, and, and I'd like to think that the, the US or North American option is not completely dead. Uh, but I think, look, I'd love to see it in New Zealand, man. I just think it would be amazing for the game if New Zealand could host a World Cup on their own. It would be huge for New Zealand. Uh, the whole nation would get behind it. And I think especially considering how well the Pacific nations are going at the moment and how well they could be looking by 2025, I just think the islands of New Zealand would be would be an amazing place to have the 2025 World Cup uh, in lieu of uh, the US. Mate, is a is a World Cup in the Pacific with finals and grand final held in New Zealand a realistic option? That's something you and I have sort of tossed around a little bit. Don't know if we did it on the show or off air, but... Um... We probably did both, mate. We probably did both. Look, I, for me, just something about having it in, in New Zealand only would be really special. I, I suppose Fiji, like Suva, has good facilities for for um for a for a professional international game. I'm not sure like places like Tonga, Samoa, Vanuatu, for example, I'm not sure they have uh the facilities that we'd be looking for. But um look, yeah. it doesn't change my answer, man. I think New Zealand for yeah, me. I, I I think I agree. Show New Zealand some love. Alright mate, that's it. Q and A Thanks for the questions, man. How do, how's it feel hosting the show? Are you enjoying it or what? Mate, I'll tell you what, it's a hard gig. Uh, you, you do you do very, very good work. Mate, I don't know how you do this every week. Mate, just keep giving me the compliments. That's what I'm fishing for. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we get on with some golden points? Right. Actually, you say that bit. Yeah, I was going to say. Say it. Hosting, is it? All right. Uh, <laughs> say it. Golden points. All right, so let's kick <laughs> off with some golden points. So we'll do what we always do and we'll go one for one and we'll see um, who can outlast who. Who's going first, mate? Do I kick things off? Or your, you your show, mate. Uh, it's up All to right. you. Golden point. <laughs> uh, Czech Rugby League. So the domestic season has kicked off with a 30-year draw between the Mad Squirrels and the Hradek Kralove. Mate, How'd I, I go with that? Mate, I think you did a lot better than I could have. Uh, all right, golden point. Over in Greece, and it was a huge day for Rugby League in Athens last Saturday. So we had three, uh, not three matches, three types of matches, actually. It was a full day of Rugby League. So in the Greek Rugby League... We had the Attica Rhinos defeated um, the Patras Panthers 48-4. Then we had a women's nines tournament uh, between Red Star Belgrade, who came across from Serbia, uh, the RS Eagles, and the Patras Panthers. So this was the first time that these Greek sides uh, got to play any form of rugby league, actually, the women's sides, that is. Uh, Red Star, a little bit of experience, and you could see that on the field. They came first, RS came second. Uh, Patras came third in those matches. Aris twenty, Patras nil in uh, match one. Uh, Red Star eighteen, Aris ten in match two, and then Red Star twelve, Patras four in game game three. So fantastic stuff for the women over there in Greece and all, obviously Serbia as well. Guys, then we had a first division match uh, between yeah, for the Balkan Super League between the Aris Eagles and Red Star Belgrade. Uh, Red Star Belgrade absolutely thumped them seventy four to six. Uh, but Stuart McLennan had a chat to him. Uh, about the match as well, 
He said that uh, Red Star coach Brett Davidson had a good structure in place, that rugby league Red Star play is very effective and entertaining. He said their best player was Darcy Etrich, the Aussie 5'8". Uh, he was very dominant in the halves and was well supported by Zogovic. Um, he said despite the scoreline, there were moments when Aris was competitive uh, and they'll take a lot from this experience and hopefully come back a better side. But uh, yeah, it would have been a, would have been a massive effort uh, playing Red Star Belgrade. And man, I've just got to say, the stadium there looked fantastic. I think it was probably one of the better stadiums that has hosted a Balkan Super League match in the history of the tournament, which I think considering the, the, the stuff that's been going on over in Greek Rugby League and over in Greece in general, um, made quite ironic and a little bit of a surprise. Mm, golden point sticking with the Balkan Super League. We've got the two, two Serbian clubs going at it in, uh, in, the, in a first division match. Partizan Belgrade 48, defeating Radniki 30. Uh, Division 2 results, we had Tirana from Albania going down to Southern Region from Montenegro 12-8. to I think this was the first uh, Balkan Super League win by a side from Montenegro as well, so well done, guys. Um, and this weekend in Division 1, we expect to see Turkish champions, the Katakoi Bulls, in their first outing against Lokomotiv Sofia. And a long-awaited first match for the Lignano Sharks, who will host, as you alluded to earlier, earlier the Dorkul Spiders. Because Golden Point over to the Middle East. So we heard this week that a club friendly has been marked on the calendars for June 16 over in Turkey. Uh, so the Turkish Rugby League 2018 runners-up, uh, who are the Ankara side, uh, they'll be facing Lebanese club, uh, the Lychans, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Lychans Rugby League Football Club. So exciting to see uh, Turkey versus Lebanon at club level. Over in the Netherlands, Dutch Rugby League domestic comp kicked off over the weekend. So last year's finalists, the Den Haag Knights, defeated the Hardwick Dolphins 44-24 to and the Rotterdam Pitbulls uh, 42 to 24 victors over our friends the Amsterdam Cobras who were last year's champions. Fun fact as well, so the Cobras despite being the current champions, they've never won a round one match in the history of the club. What a stat. So uh look they're still confident that they can go back to back and so are we we love we love our uh, Amsterdam Cobras. Love the Cobras. Mate, golden point over to Tonga, and this is more of a shout-out than a golden point. I just want to say, Andrew Fafida, you're a fucking legend. We love you. Uh, his post-match comments on Channel 9 uh, over the weekend, he said, the pinnacle of our game is playing for your country. And stuff like that, that is going to get International Rugby League on the map or keep it growing on the map. Uh, hashtag grow the game. Let's make International Rugby League bigger than State of Origin. Andrew Fafida, we love you. Yeah, you know what? For all the criticism that Andrew Fafida gets, he has been an absolute pioneer of International Rugby League, particularly for those second-tier nations. Uh, so good on you, Andrew. And, mate, while we're on the subject of shout-outs, can I give out a shout-out? Go for it, man. Mate, mine goes to David Argyle for shouting 500 beers for Bradford fans <laughs> who made the trek to uh, Lamport Stadium to watch their side go down to the Wolfpack 36-16. How good is that? What a legend. Go, go to Toronto, get a free beer. Get a free beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome work. And, mate, Toronto... We, t- we say it every week, but it gets better and better with those guys. We love it. Guys, Golden Point, back to the UK. So it was round one of the North East Rugby League uh, over the weekend. So that's like fourth division level, so just under the League One. Um, and I want to I want to talk about the Edinburgh Eagles. So they're the lone Scottish team, and they defeated the Duham Demons 40-24. to um, They're a really good chance to take this competition out this year. And as the only Scottish side there, uh, I want to follow them closely and, uh, yeah, adopt them as my... Uh, as our Scottish side, what do you reckon? Mate, I think, uh, well, look, they're certainly in the lead at the moment. Let's watch this space. Um, so, uh, speaking of following closely, we'll be following the Turkish women's team, who will be playing the Italian women on the on May the 18th. 
Uh, we don't have a lot of information yet, but we've heard that there's potentially another women's side looking to play Turkey later in the year as well. Um, so good stuff happening with the Turkish Rugby League women's. You know what? I'm going to leak it. I know who that side is. Oh, who is it? It's Greece. So oh, Gre- excellent. Greece keen to play Turkey uh, in Women's Rugby League later in the year. Hasn't been um, 100% sorted yet, but I know they're talking about it. So, um, yeah, Turkey playing in Italy in May and playing Greece later on in the year as well. Women's Rugby League, Turkey doing like Turkey, absolute pioneers for the women's game. They're really kicking goals. Guys, Golden Point and over in Papua New Guinea. So we've mentioned them a few weeks in a row now, but they're Agmark Gurias. Uh, they remain undefeated after round five of the Digicel Cup. They made easy meet in a 34-6 victory over the Central Dabaris side. Uh, loving watching these guys go, really kicking goals all over the shop. All right, mate, you got anything else? No, that's me done. You got nothing else? I'm finished. All right, I got two more. I'm out. All right, what do you want to hear about, Ghana or Italy? Um, <laughs> give me Italy first. <laughs> mate, uh, the domestic comp, I was speaking to Arazzo Daro once again uh, a couple of weeks ago. The domestic comp is expected to kick off within weeks. Uh, the final makeup of teams is still not 100%, uh, but we've had interest from up to 13 clubs, including, I'm very proud to say, a Calabrian side, which Whoa. is where my family's from. Uh, four Sicilian sides as well, which is where your family's from. That's so, right. Mate, well done. Uh, this would mean five teams in the Southern where Conference. Where my family's from as more teams than where your family's from. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> this would mean five teams in the Southern Conference and uh, eight teams in the Northern Conference. So if it does go down this way, it could mean a longer season with a split competition and then a Coppa Italia in September. So I wouldn't have imagined this for Italian domestic rugby league. So let's see what happens. Uh, Watch this space. And make Ghana. What's happening in Ghana? Yeah, Golden Point, Ghana. So again, domestic season's kicking off all over the place. This weekend, there was a double header in Accra in Ghana. So the Panthers, 34 over the Pirates, 22 and the Bulls, 38, over the Scholars, 18. So this tournament runs until July. Uh, the best players will represent Ghana at the MEA Championships later this year. And, uh, mate, that's everything from around the world of rugby league this week. Carbs, that brings us to the end of another show, mate. Mate, I've got to say I really enjoyed you hosting the show. I got to sit back, answer some questions, drink a little bit of uh, coffee. Fantastic. I've asked you not to drink in my car. Uh, so, mate, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Uh, nothing, mate. Hey. Tell them about Mascord Browns. Mate, hey, Mascord Browns, as we know, affiliate uh, sponsors of the show, and they've given you guys, our listeners, 10% off international gear on their websites, Mascord Browns with a Z com and .com.au, the new Australian website as well. So all you need to do when you're purchasing your gear, when you get to check out, uh, use the uh, p- the discount code Kangaroo Court. That's Kangaroo C A U G H T, not Court as in what you did today at work, Charlie, the lawyer. <laughs> uh, so Kangaroo Court, ten percent off. That's for everything except your Wigan Warriors gear because uh, they take all the profits. And uh, yeah, that's not very nice, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and mate, where can they find us? Mate, you can find us on uh, Twitter, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook. And uh, look, if you're on any or all of those, mate, follow us on everything. Because uh, unlike uh, what I what I try and do with our social content is try and keep it different on all channels. So you'll get, uh, there's a little bit of crossover here and there, sure. But if you're following us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, you're going to get different content uh, on each of those. So it's worth worthwhile following us on everything and telling your friends hashtag grow the game chasing kangaroos let's do this we love you and guys if you listen make sure you subscribe and if you subscribe make sure you give us a rating um and as carbs says tell your friends and carbs with that said how do we finish off fuck you nagari <laughs>